Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Morning Devotion. Forever with the Lord. Why? Just why? Answer me and tell me why you are running this way. Race. Philip. Cesar, Kirk, those were the first ones I saw this morning. Welcome to the ND family. If you're in this area, you are being deluged, inundated, overwhelmed with water. All through Southeast Texas, uh, Dallas had it, Houston, over to the Golden Triangle, Lake Charles. Our prayers are with each and all of you experiencing difficulties. And I pray that this, this is just one of those touch points, a touchstone that you can rely on. Uh, yesterday, I do want to apologize. I want to apologize. I understand that the signal was very, very choppy. And at least at the outset of the devotion, it was just not good at all. But you hung in there. I can't believe you hung in there. These are the devotees, the MD 2021 family. Welcome to you, each and all. You know the drill. Like, share, follow the page. Get the word out. And let's see some great things happen. I, I believe God is with us. Leave your prayer requests. We're seeing answers to prayers. And I, I want to see that happen. So again, I apologize yesterday for the difficulty. I am in a temporary location here. My Wi-Fi is not as good, so... And today, oh, wow, the bottom is falling outside, so it could be a little choppy today. Let me know. Are you hearing me okay today? Let me just poll the audience. Rodney, Marvin, Anna, are you hearing me okay? All right. Okay. I, I, I'm not getting any negative feedback. And so, you know, being a preacher, if I don't get any negative feedback, then, wow, that's just it. We're moving along, everybody. So... How many times, how many times have I stood and you stood at a graveside when we hear one of two biblical passages? We hear 1 Corinthians 15 saying that the grave is not permanent. We have victory in Jesus. And 1 Thessalonians 4 gives the order of the resurrection. It was a few days ago when I was referencing one of these passages at a graveside. A phrase struck me and I want to share it with you today. For it goes beyond our future home or the order or the sequence of all of us getting there. It goes to the heart of what all of this is about. Why are you running this race? Why do you run? Why do you run this race forever with the Lord? You see, the Thessalonians looked for Jesus to return in their lifetimes. They were the rapture-ready church. And Jesus promised to return. How many of you are anticipating his return? I am more each and every day. You, you say, was that mindset harmful? Some think it is today. They ridicule people who keep their eyes on the eastern sky. They, they say that we can get so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly good. But if, if we ever stop talking about heaven, then we're going to make this earth our final resting place. And through New Testament times, through church history, those people who anticipated the Lord's return had the highest impact 
on the present world. That by keeping his coming primary, there's a corollary benefit that happens to so much. Numerous New Testament passages show the linkage between our hope of his imminent return with such vital aspects as leading a holy, godly life, treating others with respect, making a difference in this present world, and our efforts to evangelize, reach, and teach. So the hope of the Lord's return has implications on all of eternity and this present world, on the abundant life and eternal life, just being ready. So Paul wrote to this group in Thessalonica to It was a group of new converts. I mean, you read about Paul reaching them with the gospel in Acts 17. He he couldn't stay very long because as was typical with Paul, he started a riot everywhere he went. He had opponents everywhere. The persecution grew to such acute levels. Paul left Thessalonica, went to Corinth, where he would also reach that area with the gospel, stay longer. But Paul, Paul wanted to correct an impression of his quick departure. And so he writes the first letter to the Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, probably Paul's first letter to write. And he compliments these new believers for three things. He compliments them for the work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfastness of hope. And then he describes, and that's sort of the outline of First Thessalonians. What was their work of faith? Well, you turn from God or you turn from idols to God. What was their labor of love? You not only turned to God, you started serving the true and living God. You worshiped him. And what was the steadfastness of their hope? Paul said that these new believers, they they just fastened on the fact that Jesus was coming back and they waited in anticipation of his return. And that hope was so pervasive, so powerful, so powerful there. I read of an archaeological team that excavated a first century graveyard in Thessalonica. And amongst those pagan tombs, they found a tomb that had this epitaph, no hope. What a blessing the church was to that ancient civilization, for they had a hope worth living for, worth dying for. This was in chapter four. Paul addresses the reasons for his writings and practical things. and But midway through the chapter, he gets to the meat of the matter. And he addresses a misunderstanding. Some of the believers there had the idea that when Jesus returned, only those alive would enter into his kingdom, into that millennial reign. They had confined the resurrection to a single event, a single raising of the dead. But Paul instructed them more carefully. The resurrection is not a single event. Jesus was the first fruits, the first resurrected. Those who sleep in Jesus will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain. And here's the passage that leapt out at me. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Here we go. So shall we ever be with the Lord, ever with the Lord, forever with the Lord. I went through the other translations this morning. Here's some of them. We shall always be with our Lord. We will all be with the Lord forever. We will always be with the Lord. We will be with the Lord forever. This is the thought that arrested me. We can get so focused on reading our Bibles, going to church, maybe even our MD family, fulfilling our ministry, reaching to others, helping others. But Glenn, Yolanda, 
Wendy, we can forget the purpose behind it all. That the purpose, the why, is being with the Lord. We can forget that. We can forget that so easily. The days, though, are going to demand this of us in this final stretch of the race, that we know why we're running this race. It was in 2015, the sun had set on the Boston Marathon, the official clock turned off, crowds gone home, but word spread throughout the night that someone was still running and an assembly of people joined in encouraging this last contestant, a Jewish man from Venezuela named Michael Melamed, who suffered from a rare disease akin to muscular dystrophy. He didn't run the race, he ran the race slowly, awkwardly, painfully, but through torrential downpours, through the loneliness and the darkness of the night, he continued to walk and he kept walking. He kept on going until he finished the race. And after he finished the race, he reflected on why he did it and how he kept going. Here's what he said. Listen carefully. In any marathon, He said, you have to know why you're doing it. Because in the last mile, the marathon will ask you, why? Why are you doing this? Michael finished. He said, because I wish to honor the Boston's Children's Hospital. They treated me for my disease as a child. The last mile of this race. Hey, MD Gray, this last mile is going to ask you, why are you doing this? Paul gives us the answer. The why? that we may forever be with the Lord. I want to give you a few examples of this overriding purpose in scripture. You know that Adam and Eve created by God placed in the garden to walk with him, to commune with him, to fellowship with him each and every day. To He dwelt with them. Sin was a breach in that fellowship. It separated them from God as it does us today. It separated them from the original purpose that they would simply be with him. It was a while back uh, during the Great Depression, there was a song written. It became popular in our church world in the Second World War. It was a song for rough times. On the Jericho Road, there's room for just two. No more, no less. Just Jesus and you. Every burden he'll bear, every sorrow he'll share. There's never a care for Jesus. Is there room for just two? You see the Jericho Road, and if you go on it today, it's known for its roughness. It's known for its steepness. It's known for its narrowness. And what the author suggested is that when life gets rough, it serves a purpose to remind you the reason behind it all, to draw you and me into fellowship with the Lord. There's room for just two, just Jesus and you. Kim, do do you remember that? Zane, do you remember that song? That song is a quartet song. I'd like to hear that again. What's in your future? Hey, Church of Thessalonica, what's in your future? Forever you will be with the Lord. So in the Old Testament, God created Adam and Eve for that fellowship, to be with him. And in the next book of the Bible, Exodus, we see the construction of the tabernacle. Why? Exodus 25, God says that I may dwell among them. And that's the introduction to Christ's ministry as well. In John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled amongst us. That the New Testament 
The New Testament is revelation of Emmanuel, the God who is with us, where we may be with God. Do you remember when he called the apostles? Do you remember the reason Jesus gave him? Mark 3, 14, he ordained 12, he appointed 12, that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Before he called them to preach, before he called them to write scriptures, before he called them to build the church, before he called them to reach the world, Jesus said, let me tell you the purpose behind it all. The last mile is going to ask you this question. Why are you running this race? You're going to need this in the last mile of the journey. You're going to need to know. There's going to be a quiz at the end of it all. And the question is going to come. Why am I doing this? And you're going to remember, I was ordained. I was appointed. I was called. I was chosen that I may be with him. Oh, how sweet to walk this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. Hey, James, John, Peter, Andrew, hey, Bartholomew, Philip, you were called by Jesus to be with Jesus. That's it. That's it. Why are you running this race? So that I may be with him. Before you preach, apostles have a relationship with him. Believers, before you worship, before you work, before you serve, before you name the name of Christ in all that you do, in everything that you do, remember this. You were called to be with him, to be with Jesus. On earth I long, on earth I long to be with him, to be like him, let me give you another New Testament example of this. It's the truth of the upper room, 120 up there waiting for the promise of the Father. Weeks earlier, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Wait until I get there and you're going to receive the power that you need. Don't try to do this alone. We're, we're laborers together. We need to do this together. Wait on me until I show up. So from anywhere from seven to 10 days, they waited. Can you imagine the power that would come if each and every one of us would recognize that simple principle that God is with us? He is laboring with us. He is walking with us. Can I just say the question is not if he will be with us. The question is, will we be with him or we will go to our own ways? Will we cling to him and hold to him or we just sort of pursue a distraction or diversion? Michael, Jennifer, Debbie. We're called to be with Jesus. That's the power in the upper room. They were all with one accord. They knew they needed Jesus. They were committed to connecting and abiding in the vine. Z.W. Tezer in his classic work, The Pursuit of God, he, he posed a question, and I just love this. He asked, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are at, automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Jesus Christ. They are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly ever be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from Jesus to strive for closer fellowship. In other words, we get closer to each other when we get closer 
to him. The purpose of Christ calling his apostles, the purpose of gathering in the upper room, that they would be with him. So when Paul told the church in Thessalonica, when the rapture takes place, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain together, we will ascend to meet the Lord in the clouds and we will forever be with him, never to be separated again. For sin's not going to enter there. Sin's not going to separate us. Do you know, do you know what that does to me? How that impacts me and you? It gives me strength here at the end of this race. I want to finish this. I, I'm not trying to finish this race to win it. I'm not trying to come in first. I'm not trying to get the most trophies. I'm not just trying to set a world's record. I'm in this race and I want to finish this race to see Jesus and to be with him for all he eternity. We got to get that answer clear in our minds. Why? Just why do we run this race so that we can forever be with the Lord? Why do we live a holy life so that we can forever be with the Lord? Without holiness, no man shall see God. Why do we reach others? Why do we train others? Why do we teach others? Why we gather in this MD family, Trenton and hope and joy? Why do we gather here so that we can forever be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with him. There's something that stirred when I reached this moment preparing this devotion this morning. I started thinking of the mark of Cain, the one who was, who was cast out from the presence of the Lord, followed a path away from God, taught his children how to make a living. You can read all they invented and did. But he never taught them how to live for God. Tubal-Cain and Jubal-Cain may have known how to uh, work with iron and work with metals and how to fashion instruments and how to create music. He taught them how to make a living. But he never taught them how to live for God. Cast out from the presence of God. What is hell? I mean, if, if Paul's talking to Thessalonica and say, we're going to heaven, we're going to forever be with the Lord. What is hell? What is that eternal lake of fire? I may deal with that in a later devotion. And the, the quick answer is it's separation from the presence of God. That's not altogether correct. But there is, in some sense, for those that are in hell, a separation from the loving nature of God. They witness the wrath of the Lamb not the loving nature of God. Paul said in his second letter to the Thessalonians that those who don't obey the gospel are away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. So why do we push forward? Why do we labor in love and faith and hope? Because we want to be with him, not away from him. And if we anticipate his return and live today as if he could return today, each and every day, We're with the Lord, and one day forever we will be with the Lord. That's the promise, and that's the answer to the pop quiz at the end of the race. Why do you run this race? I love the story of Robbie Robbins, Air Force pilot during the first Iraq war. It was after his 300th mission. He was surprised to be given permission to immediately pull his crew together, fly his plane home. And they flew across the ocean to Massachusetts and then began a long drive to western Pennsylvania. Drove all night. His buddies dropped him off 
at his driveway just after sunup. When he got there, there was a big banner across the garage that read, Welcome Home, Dad. He thought, how did my family know this? Nobody had called. The crew themselves, we didn't know that we were leaving so quickly. Robbins tells the story. He said, when I walked into the house, the kids about half dressed for school started screaming, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. His wife came running down the hall of the house with her hair fixed in a beautiful yellow dress. And he was stupefied. Robbie said, well, how did you guys know? How did you know? And his wife said, honey, I didn't know. But once we knew the war was over, we knew you'd be home one of these days. And we knew you would try to surprise us. So each and every day, we said this could be the day he comes home. We had to be ready every day. Ready every day. Mary, Stella, Pat, Glenn, we've got to be ready every day. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet him in the sky? Ready to be with him forever? It doesn't start on the day of the rapture. It starts here in now, not in the there and the then. Each day we abide in him. Each day we draw nigh to him. Each day we seek his face. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, not just in another world, but each and every day while I'm in the grind of this race, while I'm in the crucible of this furnace, when I'm walking that Jericho road, I want to sense his presence. I want to walk with him. I want to talk with him. What about you? Kimberly, God bless you, Tricia, Lillian. I love each and every one of you. Can I just say that we're in the last mile of this race? There is a pop quiz. Why do you run? I run to forever be with the Lord. That's why I'm running. Remind yourselves of that. Encourage one another with that. Jesus is coming. Oh, yes, he's coming. He's coming very soon. Today could be the day. I want to walk with him today because I want to walk with him forever and ever and ever. God bless you. What a special bunch. Thank you for being a part of this this morning. Leave leave a note out to the side. Leave a word of encouragement. Just um, if you have a chance during the day, Come back to this devotion. You're going to see that people watch this throughout the day, leaving prayer requests. Help us. We have groups of people that pray over each and every need. Thank you for that. Thank you for being the family that you are. And I just believe God is doing a work in our midst that's going to be special. It's going to be signal and it's going to reflect his character his stamp, his image in us. May God be with you. I look forward to, God willing, seeing you again tomorrow. And if we're not together tomorrow, someday we're going up yonder. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.